task here is to talk about one of the important streams feeding into early Methodism and John Wesley, and these are the Moravians. I'm sure you know them by name, but uh, you may not know a whole lot about who they are, so let me try to fill that gap in just a bit. Um, they actually go back to an important pre-reformer by the name of John Huss, who lived a hundred years before John, before Martin Luther's time, and uh, was uh, one of the first to read the scriptures in the vernacular. And uh, he proposed that the Catholic Church begin to reform itself by allowing the scriptures to be read in the church and also having the communion celebrated in both kinds to the people who had not been able to receive it. And these basic steps toward reformation were rejected by the church authorities. In fact, when he was invited to defend his views before a Catholic council at, at uh, Constance, he was executed. And so his, his disciples uh, were very much committed to the study of the scripture and to following where, where the path that he had begun. And so they went underground and uh, because they were illegal, they were forced to worship secretly in Bohemia and later authorities there uh, pushed them out into a neighboring uh, state uh, called uh, Moravia where they picked up that name because of their place of residence. Uh, both of those states, Bohemia and Moravia, were parts of the larger German uh, Holy Roman Empire of the uh, 16th and 17th century. And, uh, and so in the century of John Wesley in the 1700s, the movement resurfaced in that empire under uh, a leader by the name of uh, Count Zinzendorf. Count Nicholas von Zinzendorf uh, had attended school in a pietist school in Germany by the name of Halle, H-A-L-L-E. Let me just say a word about the pietists. Uh, after the time of the Reformation and the great work of the reformers was finished, we find that uh, the church lost much of the zeal and life that it had experienced under the reformers. And after their death, the uh, churches in Germany where the Reformation had occurred fell into a decadent uh, period of their history called orthodoxy or scholasticism, where they intellectualized the faith. And they tried to debate with their Catholic adversaries on intellectual terms, but they didn't take into consideration the pastoral meaning of the faith, and they didn't help their people uh, to live the faith. They weren't preaching even in their own language. They went back to the use of Latin and using a polemical style of preaching. And so uh, people became very hungry and thirsty for the Word of God again. Uh, and uh, in addition to that, they began to break out in religious wars, Catholics against Protestants. So it was a difficult time. We're talking now about the early 1600s, a century after the uh, Protestant reformers had done their great work. And so men came along like Zinzendorf and before him others who said, Luther got us started, but we've, it was aborted. It was not a, a completed reformation. He gave us the scriptures. He translated them for us. But uh, we no longer are living by that word. He gave us the doctrine to believe but he has not helped us to live by that faith. The church has not lived out what the scriptures teach. And so pastors began to be awakened in Germany to try to address that need. Um, men like Spener, 
who started a small group movement in the church that later, of course, Methodism picks up, believing that, ex that uh, consecrated laymen must be, must be identified in the church who would meet with their pastors and pray with them uh, about living out the message that the pastor had preached uh, from, from the scriptures. And so that started a, a kind of a cell group movement of small groups within the larger church that uh, sparked renewal. This was in the 1600s, in the time of this distress within the church. And then uh, one of the uh, other leaders of that movement in Germany by the name of Franke, F-R-A-N-C-K-E, was much influenced by the work that Spener had begun. And, and his field was, was this, the classroom. And so he became a professor in a university that was established called Halle, where the message, the pietist-based message of salvation through new birth in Christ could be taught. And uh, it was taught, and, and many of those graduates were formed into a missionary movement to begin to take the message of the gospel to distant parts of the world. That is the beginning of the extension of Christianity beyond Europe, the work of those pietists, that is, Protestant evangelical Christianity. Uh, Jesuits and Catholics were working in their own way. Uh, so Zinzendorf, getting back to that story, attended that university at Halle. And while he was at Halle, he himself was converted. He was a count, but he now became a, a fervent uh, believer in Jesus. And his great uh, theme was he, he was he was attracted to the question that Jesus asked Peter, as recorded in the Gospels, Peter, do you love me? And he was asked that three times. And and so Zinzendorf said, I hear Jesus asking me that question. And is this uh, question one that I can answer? And uh, he said, until we begin to feel our love for him and our complete surrender and devotion to him, we're not really able to answer that question. But when we can, then Jesus Christ becomes contemporary with us. And uh, we can claim with assurance that we are his child. And so he came to that point. And after leaving the university, he returned to his estate and said, what can I do? I can't go into the ministry because I'm a count by the, the customs of his day. So he said, I will set aside my estate as a refuge for persons who are seeking a deeper understanding and walk with the Lord. Refugees who are fleeing other places where they have been prevented from following uh, the Lord's will in their lives. And so uh, he opened up his estate to these persecuted Hussite Moravians now known uh, who go back to the time of Hus, but who now needed this kind of protection and this kind of encouragement. And he provided that. And so here you have a meeting of these two with uh, his little estate that he set up at a place called Hernhut in Germany, H-E-R-R-N-H-U-T. And once they got there, he was a very well-organized uh, leader. He uh, put them into groups called choirs. He was very musically oriented. And he taught them to sing, to sing their praises, of the praises to the Lord in music that he wrote. And music devoted very much to Jesus, the Lamb of God, was a great theme. And the men were in some choirs, and the women were in other choirs, and they lived in separate quarters, and they formed a community, and they established a mission movement to go throughout the world uh, they set up a 24-7 prayer vigil that lasted for over a hundred years for the salvation of the world. And so he, of course, got that idea from the people at Halle where he'd studied. But he now made it practical and uh, engaged these uh, Moravian refugees to now become uh, missionaries 
planting the seed of the gospel, as he put it, in distant lands. And they were the, among the first to reach the uh, Native Americans in North America in the 1700s with the gospel. And other places like Lapland, they went as far as uh, Northern Europe, uh, Asia, and Africa. He had the funds to send them. And so it was a uh, successful endeavor. They were uh, not a church in his day, but they later have organized as a church, which uh, exists as headquarters here in the United States. Uh, many migrated to this country at a later time. But his vision was to be an ecumenical figure. He wanted to work within the churches in Germany of that day. Luther, he was Lutheran by background, but he wanted the, the tradition of John Huss, the tradition of Luther, the tradition of Calvin, all of them to come together. And uh, his hope was for a, a, a unity of witness to Christ that would overcome the divisions that occurred within the church in Europe. He was sometimes suspected and uh, not always trusted because after all, he was a nobleman. And uh, the common people in Europe didn't trust uh, the, the, uh, the nobility because of uh, their history of abusive practices. So that was a hindrance and sometimes in his attempt to uh, garner, garner support from the rank and file. Uh, but it was, it was uh, through, John, through uh, the Moravians that John Wesley first came to encounter the message of the living Christ through the new birth. And this happened en route to Georgia when he was traveling by sea to be a missionary for the Church of England from 1735-1738 in his early days after he's finished his work at Oxford. And uh, they were to storm at sea. And during the storm, uh, Wesley was not yet converted. And he was very much afraid for his life. And he saw these Moravians in the ship standing together praying very joyfully, singing their love, loving praise to the Lord. And he said, aren't you afraid? And they said, afraid? Well, we know one who makes us not afraid, Jesus Christ, our living Lord, the Lamb of God. Do you know him? Oh, yes, I'm a missionary of the Church of England. Yes, but do you know him personally? And he had to admit he really didn't because he was afraid for his life and they were not. So as they went on to Georgia, he began to, to meet with these Moravians. He began to learn more of their work. And he learned German so he could translate their hymns into English. And that became the first book of hymns that he used for the early Methodist movement, even before his brother Charles became active and involved with him in that movement. And, uh, and so this became a key to the, uh, to the conversion of John Wesley because after his return to England, following his three years in Georgia, he immediately, immediately went very quickly to a Moravian meeting in London. And there they led him to understand Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. As they were reading from Paul's letter to the Romans, as commented on by Martin Luther, where it talks about the just shall live by faith. And he felt, I too truly believe now, and I am assured that I live by faith in him. And uh, this began the turning point in his life. After that point, he was able to begin his work with the revival that followed that created the Methodist movement.